the story of my life. No respect. I don't get no respect at all. The story of my life. No respect. I don't get no respect at all. They couldn't score and fell flat. And the 40 shots on goal was 40 shots on goal was a little deceiving. Yeah. And even though they had some really good opportunities, surprisingly, they need to play with that intensity. If those last three, four minutes, the Rangers sometimes don't play at their best level against lower-tier teams. Here's Johnny! Nope, this is Ranger Proud, the Ring Podcast with Ranger Proud, here on the Bleed Blue Show. Hello, hello. What's going on, RP? How you doing, sir? Good. How are you, Steve? How's everything? Uh, I'm ecstatic. That was a nice win last night over the Flames. I look forward to the conversation well, coming off this All-Star break. and But we'll get into that. Well, man, how are you, man? We got Carl with us. We got Glenn with us. We got Scott, Mr. Ice Guy, Blender, Face Off Hockey Podcast. It's a full house tonight, man. What's good with you, man? Wow, you're going to have me busy tonight. No, things are, things are good. That was <laughs> a, uh, Man, that was a fun damn hockey game last night. Yes, of, it was. And I've been, you know, all over Twitter and all about it. One of the best games of the season just for the NHL. That's what people were saying. And it had a little bit of everything. Fights, great hits, good goal scoring, some great saves. That that was a, a damn entertaining game, i got to tell you. I'm glad I watched every second of it. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll say this real quick. I'm going to bring the guys on, and you'll lead the conversation. I will say this. Uh, from a perspective of the Rangers, of the things we've been talking about for the last month or so, uh, Philip Hedo was fantastic last night. He's, he's still scoring and, and creating plays. And it was good to see Lafreniere get the uh, game-winning goal in overtime. And that's one guy I really want to see step up after the All-Star break. But let, let, we'll get to the, the conversation. Uh, well, and I know the guy's going to have some uh, points to make, and I think we're going to overlap. I, I really like to say that uh, Truba, uh, he really came out of the All-Star break, really uh, with, a, with a determination in one game, man. I, that was really encouraging to see, RP. Yeah, you know, I've seen some big hits thrown, namely Scott Stevens and, and Chris Pronger, like massive hits. Last night is in, in those categories. They were two of the cleanest, hardest hits I've seen in a very long time. Uh, I was even reading a, a quote Kadri uh, said after his after Truba took him out with the helmet popper, and he said it was a clean, hard hit, but he was proud of himself. He got back up, dusted himself off, and skated away. And you want to know? That's what they're supposed to do. If you get a hit clean, take it like a man and move on. None of this fighting after crap and all that we saw last night. That That's not what the game's about. It, it's a hard-hitting game. And, yeah, you want to protect your better players, but, man, Truba, I thought Truba set the tone for the team to make the comeback last night. They they were just, he mm-hmm. did what a captain does, you know. He he led by right. example on the ice. And, uh, Amen yeah, guys, I, I thought that was, I, I thought that was just, it was something the team needed. You know, you're always a little flat. They were off for, what, nine days between the bye week and the all-star break. And, you know, you come out and your captain starts doing those things and all your stars start scoring and that kid line is just on fire. And, yeah, i got to tell you something. That, that's, Steve, you always talk about what the Rangers play to their potential every game. That's what you can get. Man, that was a hell of a lot of fun. And it did give a little insight of what this team is capable when they play a 60-minute hockey game. Even though they gave the lead up, they 
it was strong enough to, you know, to come back. So, uh, what do you guys think about it? Yeah, let's bring them on. Let's get Carl. Say hello, Glenn. Let's say hello, Scott. How you doing, Carl? What's going on, man? How you doing? Then Glenn and then Scott. Good evening, gentlemen. Two weeks in a row. There must have been something interesting that Whoa. happened last oh, night. Shit, we're rolling today. For a sec. <laughs> we're rolling. Uh, you know what? I might need to be put into the box for ten minutes after after some of that nonsense I saw last night out of uh, Calgary. But I'll, I'll I'll rant about that later. <laughs> hey, Glenn, what's uh, up, man? Go ahead, Glenn. Yeah, no, I, I you know I agree with uh, with what RP said about you know. Uh, Truba doing what a captain needs to do to uh, to charge up the team, and you know again, like you said, those are clean hits, hard hits, and, and uh, you know it, it's ridiculous now in this NHL where every time uh, you, uh, you you land a hit on somebody that's clean, uh, you've got to drop the gloves and stick up for yourself. But you know he turned around and did that too, and uh, uh, you know I think that energized the team. I know it energized me watching the game. And, uh, you know, I, I don't understand a lot of people are, a lot of fans are, you know, not really happy with Truba. Uh, I guess some of it has to do with the salary, which, uh, you know, a couple of years ago was one of the highest in the league. But, you know, now it's kind of been surpassed by, by a number of other guys. And, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, he makes mistakes uh, on defense sometimes, gets caught. Uh, what defenseman doesn't? But uh, I think by far his pros outweigh his cons for, for what this team needs. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I think he really coming out of the box out of the all-star game. Uh, I think he really energized the crowd and the fans and, and the team and, uh, you know, helped them uh, forge forward for that win last night. Absolutely. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. What do you think, Scott? Uh, yeah. yeah. No, um, and, uh, Definitely why he's wearing the C, why, uh, you know, when he was named C and everybody was like, uh, uh, you know, surprised and, and the players were like, no, no, like that's who we wanted from, from day one. Uh, that's the kind of thing. There was a couple months ago we were, we were um, you know, we were talking about whatever. They, they were on a losing streak. I don't remember what it was. It might have been the uh, the California trip uh, where he, you know, threw a temper tantrum in the uh, – uh, no, that's the wrong. That's the wrong term because that's that, that's a negative connotation. He he went ballistic. <laughs> we'll call it in the locker room, and uh, and they went on a little winning streak after that. I don't remember if it was the four gamer or the seven gamer, but uh, you know, all started with with him uh, energizing the team, and you know, he did it on a smaller scale last night with a couple you know great hits and a fight, and uh, you know, it was a very entertaining game. I think we kind of got hosed on uh that 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 uh that video review but i mean we we just we don't win video reviews we just don't i mean uh you know it's I mean, I thought we could win a video review as long as we're not playing Toronto or Pittsburgh, but apparently we just can't win one anyway. Um, you know, it was blatantly a kicking motion, and then all of a sudden he comes out and announces, eh, it was never about the kicking motion. It was deflected. By, by who? You know, so whatever yeah. case, you know, we, we got we got the win. Uh, you know, uh, Calgary getting a point. Fine, they're not in our conference, so be it. Uh, that's a tough team because, you know, right out of the all-star break, Calgary is in worse spot than we are. They are fighting for their playoff line. Lives. I think they're they're definitely within striking range, so they're not you know in a in seller mode. So that that's what makes them so dangerous is they are fighting for their playoff lives and uh and we handled them nicely. I thought it was very uh very satisfying. I I felt bad for Markstrom on that game winner. Um, you know, because he uh I mean, I mean he's not a great goalie as it is. 
I mean, we saw him just absolutely disgraceful in that uh, in that Edmonton series last year. But he, he made, uh, you know, when, when Lafreniere comes in on that two-on-one and makes that pass, he made what was probably the save of his career, uh, just a brilliant save, and he's laid out. And, of course, with three guys on the ice, there's nobody can clean up that rebound. And Lafreniere moves in, and, uh, and, and he was just, Furious, smashing his thing. He kind of felt bad for him because it was such a great, great save. But I don't feel I don't I don't feel that bad for him. Nope. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, it was nice. It was nice. Um, you know, I I got some things to whine about, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna waste it on my uh on my first uh, my first go around here and ruin the mood. So you know, for right for right now, all things are good. Yeah, I, I hear that. I agree with you. There was a lot of. Uh... A lot of little games within the game, I guess you want to say, video replay and instigators and, and fighting after hits. It, it, it was loaded with, with a lot of sub-game kind of uh, things, but we'll get into that. What did you think about the game, Steve? I thought it was a fun game to watch, RP, and I'm glad that we came on uh, one night after to discuss it instead of right after the game because of all the action that happened the up and down, ebb and flows of the game where we had a lead, we lost the lead, we got it back at the end of the game. Uh, the hitting, it was just a fun up and down game. Uh, and, and especially right after the All-Star break, like you said, it was just you know after being on, on the break. Uh, you know, you saw, like I said earlier, Hedo got the jump started. You saw Mika Zibanejad and Mika Zibanejad form offensively. Um, you know, there's been, you know, how, you know, how, how actually has been playing good hockey. Remember we got on them earlier this year and we were kind of, especially me, where I always looked at it like, man, the Rangers have had fantastic goalie situations with backups and we kind of got on how like, you know, I was kind of hard on him, but I kind of have to shut my mouth because the last what six games he's been there, he's been doing his job and keeping us in, in a lot of games that Coleman goal. Uh, I listen. It, it, some of those things happen where it, it, that was a great, great goal by him. But other than that, uh, he's actually has he, he's kind of kept things alive, you know, in spot starts when Shosturkin's not there. So I got to give him props because mm-hmm. earlier in, in in the season I was on him. Like I was down on him because I thought we had a spoiled goalie goalie uh, situation of all those years, but it looks like it's kind of come back full circle. The law of averages have evened out with Ranger goalie situations, starter, backup. is back to where we expect it to be. We're in unfortunate yeah. circumstances when it comes to that, man. Well, you know, it's, it's important to have us fix it up, and we he, we had every right to be on him because what did he start, 0-6 or 0-7? I mean, he didn't have a win until mid-December. So, mm-hmm. But, you know, now it's important that he's playing at this level because the Rangers have 35 or 37 games remaining. They have eight sets of back-to-back games. And you got to figure out how Locke's going to start. You know, he's going to split those games, which is Thurkham for the most part. So they need him to be playing, you know, at this level. And the team is playing better in front of him now, too. Now I think they know what he's capable of, and he's playing, he's playing to where we thought he would be when the Rangers, you know, named him as the backup. So, uh, you know, now that one-two punch is there, and, it's you know it's great to see and it's great to see his confidence and you know you're talking Steve about Blake Coleman's first goal it was such a broken yeah. play because the puck was in right. skates and and they were both tied up as it got to the goal line and if the puck wouldn't have hit Lingwin's skate it would have slid to the end board behind the net but it kind of just stopped there and then before you know it it was through his legs and I think it deflected off a range of stick or something 
And, and anyway, if that was the only goal that we could really say, you know, you wish he'd had back, then I'm not even worried about it because he, he, he looks really, really solid there. So, um, and, and really yeah. quick to uh, – one, one quick point before you go on. Let me say this real quick because I was a little, I don't know how you felt about it, but it kind of makes sense. I was a little surprised that he got the start, although I understand it that Shosturkin was down in Sunrise, down in Broward County for the All Star Game weekend. But I was still surprised because the Rangers kind of like fighting for their playoff positioning, and I thought Shosturkin would would have been in that versus the Flames, a better team. And then I would have saw Halak versus Vancouver, who are our next opponents, who are having a fire sale. I, I thought that would have been the situation. Yeah. I don't know how you – how, how did you see it? Yeah. How did you see it? I, I, in, in years past, the, when, when Lundqvist made the All-Star team and then when Rick three years ago, the, the starting goalie – the starting goalie normally doesn't play the first game off the All-Star break if he's in the All-Star game. Now, it's a little bit different now because – well, the All-Star game really sucked. And what did Shesterkin play? Ten minutes of the whole weekend? So I think he was more relaxed than anything else. But they are playing four games this week. They have back-to-backs at the end of the week. So however you diced it out, Shesterkin and, and Halak are going to play two games this week each. So I wasn't really – once he got announced, I was, the shock was over. It was like, all right, it kind of makes sense. But somewhere it, it, he's going to be in it for two and Shesterkin's going to be in it for two. So he gets another break to Sturkin, and maybe he gets the easier game coming off what? It's going to be almost an 11-day break. Did, didn't Halak play the last game before the bye week? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it, it's been almost two weeks since Sturkin's played in an NHL game. So maybe the Vancouver game is the better game to put him in. A little bit, you know, he's going to be a little bit rusty. Like you said, they have a huge fire sale going on over there. So, I mean, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But as I, as you know. long as he's there for Seattle, though. For, for the most, as long as he's there for right. Seattle. <laughs> for the most part, he's pushed all the right buttons, Gallant. You know, we can bitch him on about line changes and, and, and scratches and this and that, but where the team is playing right now, you can't really argue much with, with the buttons that he's been pushing for the most part. So I, I give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because it's worked out. Uh, really quick, back to what we are talking about. We have to talk about the video replay. Got boarded up. And I was been arguing with people on Twitter all day about it. I'm sure a lot of you guys saw it. The rule book calls it a distinct kicking motion. What uh, what his face did yesterday when he scored? Excuse me. Uh, was it Toffoli or was it Stone? I forgot who scored the goal. Forgive me. He turned his foot and sort of deflected it off his foot sideways. The stupid term in the rule, distinct kicking motion, made that a legal goal. They never had that rule in the book. It used to be you couldn't deflect the puck in with your skate. You couldn't kick the puck in with your skate. And then they put the term distinct kicking motion. And now almost 95% of these goals count as goals because the players know not to make a distinct kicking motion when they're redirecting the puck with their blade. That's good they are. So the, uh, the NHL really needs to remove those words and go back to making it, especially with video replay, make it, you can't kick the puck into the net, you can't redirect the puck with your blade into the net, and it'll probably solve a lot of these problems. Because between that and goalie interference, it's a crap shot what the calls are going to be. Unless it's against the Rangers, then it's always going to go against the Rangers. But <laughs> overall in the league, you, you know, what, what do you think, Carl? You, you have a lot of these 
stats and you see a lot of these things, it, it is, is it more of a verbiage thing that they need to revamp? Because it's very confusing when you watch five of these kind of plays and you're going to get, you know, three one way and two the other way. Well, that's the whole thing, right, about, you know, that I, it's kind of like, it's kind of like in some of these, kind of like in football, the whole, the call is confirmed or the call stands kind of wording mm-hmm. where it's, you know, it sort of leaves it a little bit vague. Like, I'm trying to remember how, when, when the linesman after that play came back and made his ruling, did they confirm the play or I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember how that no. played last night. I'll tell you how it played out, and this is this is what infuriated me because it turns out that it had nothing to do with the kicking motion. Because um, for, first of all, about that uh, RP about the kicking motion, um, Joe, Joe Micheletti made a good point in that, like, yeah, did did the knee, you know, swing forward? Like, you know, no, but his foot came off the ice, which is enough of a kick. But in any case, it didn't come down to that. Remember, mm-hmm. the, the, the ref comes out and he says, after further review, the puck was <clears throat> deflected in. He said that. And everybody was like, what? Yes. Nobody was yes, thinking yes. about that. And, like, what does that mean? Like, how about, you know, does that mean it hit a stick? Then, then say that. Say, after further review, the puck did not go in off the player's skate. It touched a stick and went in off of that. We have a good goal. Okay, you know what? That's an explanation. But saying, you know, we're all sitting there, we watched the replay in super slow-mo 15 times, and nobody, not, not, not Sam, not, not Joe, not anybody watching it said, oh, you know what, you know what, I didn't even hit the skate. That actually, it nobody said that. Um, so I don't know where they got that ruling from. So in the end, it didn't even come down to whether or not it was a distinct kicking motion. Um, I think it was. And, and, and to answer your question, RP, I think they should change the, the wording a little bit. Um, I think they should bring intent into it. Um, like, you know, if it just goes off a skate and dude's not paying attention, okay, that should count. I think just because he doesn't move the foot and kick it in, like if, if he, I think, I think angling, in my opinion, I think angling the skate and knowing, cause these players, you know, when you watch that they, you know, you could trap a pass going 20 miles an hour in the skate and put it, you know, these guys know how to kick a, a puck without even moving their foot to where they want it to go. I think that just angling the skate, if the intent is there, that that player is intended on putting that puck in off his skate without having to move his foot. I think that should not count either. Um, I think, you know, you asked if, if the wording should be changed. I think it should. I think it should come down. They should review it. It should come down to the intent, whether he moves his foot or not. I think if he intended for that puck to go in that net off of his skate, it should not be a goal. Um, but that being said, last night's replay apparently had nothing to do with that anyway, and nobody can figure out. And they, after he said that, because they stopped showing the replay, I went back and I was watching it afterwards, um, you know, in, in the reviews looking for that. I saw nothing that, that looked like it, it touched the skate. It touched the stick and went in the net. Nothing, nothing showed me that. Well, see, that's the thing, right? Like, uh. if, if the if the if the linesman comes out and gives a clear, concise explanation to us all, I think a lot of us would accept the results. But a lot of times, yeah. there is some vagueness in the wording that's being. I don't know. If, I do not because you see this across sports now. There seems to be a an intense and in, let me how, how, let me phrase this right. There seems to be an intention 
among a lot of officials to not give clear information public or the, the people that are in the arena or watching on television to be able to then be able to just take the information, digest it, and accept it, as opposed to the sort of weird vagueness where you're just sort of left throwing up your hands into the air and just saying, what the hell? <laughs> and, of course, with the Rangers, yeah. you know, when it comes to video reveal, you know, there's that saying, you know, if you flip a coin, you know, you get 50-50. It doesn't always seem 50-50 in our case. You're lucky if you get 25. So I almost, I almost concede that, hey, listen, you know, it's probably not going to go our way. So, you know, just like in the playoffs, yeah. like, remember that goal against Pittsburgh? You just, you know. Yeah, I, I just, just I'm, which, yes. Wait, wait, wait. Well, was it a Pittsburgh goal that was allowed or, or a Ranger goal that was disallowed? Are you it was about? the game one. It was, remember, it was the game one last Oh, the, 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 the Kako? It was about three minutes to go. The Kako goalie interference? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yes. Well, that's a whole thing. We were able to we find. Whole, we could have an hour conversation on goalie interference because <laughs> the only rule that is more outrageous than a kicking motion is goaltender interference. They just have yeah. no – they just can... call it on a win. It, it, it can't be so much of a judgment call because the players need to know what they can and can't do. And right. I think yeah. – I'm, I'm almost sure last week uh, – not last week, prior to the All-Star break, Connor McDavid was questioning that pretty vigorously publicly, how you, you can't – it's hard to play the game if you don't know what you can and can't do. What is goalie interference? Is it when he's in the paint? Is he on top of the paint? You know, we know if he's outside the crease, but if he's starting to go back into the crease on a shot, it's, you know, it's almost as bad as what's a catch and not a catch in the NFL. And for years, it was never like that. And and they they have the capability and the smarts, especially in the NHL, because I was thought they were a good officiating organization, to, to make it a little bit more black and white. Not, not not a lot, but a little bit more so that a player knows what's going on. So if one of the you best know, plays in the league cannot determine it, how can anybody else? You, you know what the irony of the situation is? Is you remember the late 90s in the crease rule as terrible as, as, of a call as that? At least that mm-hmm. was cut Red and dry. Hard. At least, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least that was cut and dry. You know, you've got to skate in that blue paint. Doesn't matter if you're five feet from the goalie. No goal. Terrible, terrible rule, obviously, and I'm glad they got rid of mm-hmm. it. But at least it was cut and dry. You're either in the crease or you're not. Yeah, they are all over I'll the map with this with this goalie yeah. interference. Oh yeah. And then, no on, and then on top of that, on top of that, correct me if I'm wrong, but don't they have goalie interference where there's a penalty called? And another goalie interference where there is not a penalty called, where it's kind of Correct. incidental contact, takes the goal which, is kind of, mm-hmm. which is kind of confuses it even more. Yeah, it, it, it's been a, a clusterfuck of, of things. And back to what Scott was saying, that rule, either you're in the paint or not in the paint, as a penalty was golden until Brett Holt scored the, overtime, the, the winner in the Dallas to win the Stanley Cup. And he was clearly <laughs> in the paint. And then the next year they changed the rule. Everybody <laughs> blew that. <laughs> that I, I wouldn't be the first time. I, every, it wouldn't be now. It wouldn't be, and it's not going to be. But you know, back to our boys here, they, you know, the good thing about it is the Rangers. What I really liked last night is they didn't let the bad calls 
affect them. You know, when years pass, yeah, it's down. You, you blow, you blow a lead. You're up. You're playing good hockey. Before you know it, it's four three Calgary, and then years pass. That would be it. That that was the nail in the coffin. Here, yeah, these guys just kept battling back. You know, led by Lafreniere, Kako, and Hedl, and and Zimbanajar was just playing on top of his game. And uh, I, I just like what we saw overall. I I like the commitment. I like the drive after being off so many days. They didn't let nothing. They only can beat themselves. They just kept coming back. And it, it's it's great to see, and it's what you want to continue to see. Resilience. Oh, that's that, that's the that's the yeah. thing. Not playing through situations that you cannot control. You know, there's going to yeah. be bad calls in every game. There'll be there'll be a game where you'll get a good call. You know, that that goes into your favor. But not getting down when something doesn't go your way. I think you. I think RP. I think you guys were talking about it early in the season that when, you know, when the Rangers would you know have something go against them early on in the season, it was almost this sort of woe is me type of response and things uh-huh. snowball in the wrong direction. Now, maybe things will turn around here and, you know, as, as the winds have piled up, you know, and some good fortune has played into their favor that they sort of take that and, and roll along with it. But that's something that you would love to be able to just, you know, just kind of keep as a mindset, just be like, hey, guys, listen, what, just focus on playing. The results will take care of itself. Don't worry about anything else. And, just having that sort of straight ahead, not looking left, not looking right, not looking behind you. Just, just, just go, play, just play ahead, but just play straight forward, and just let the results speak for itself. There's one I want to go on on, on a rant on what happened last night because Scott made a good, you know, Scott and Glenn were talking about it earlier, and you mentioned it to RP. I do not know when this started, when opponents are seeing what I believe are clean, legitimate hits on the ice, and now responding in kind by trying to, quote-unquote, stand up for their teammates. Now, okay, does Truba have a history of this? Kind of. Uh, yeah. Is it some of it dirty? Yeah, that's fair. Eh, borderline, eh, maybe. But it's all I know is this. The league, has, has Truba been suspended in the last, like, I don't know, four years for any of these hits by, by chance? I don't think he has. No. Mm-mm. Okay. No. So the league is basically determined that everything that, that is going on here is clean, yet opponents, for whatever reason, this really has only been like the last like seven or eight-year thing. Like This didn't happen like 10, 20 years ago, where, where guys are getting hit, guys are getting drilled, and opponents are just like flummoxed and, and just so angry that they have to go out and, and, and seek retribution. Like, do, do, the, do the opponents believe that what Truba is doing is dirty? Because the only conclusion I can draw is yes. Otherwise... You know, if they're angry because a clean hit is being put on a player, are they upset that the guy just simply got hit, or the hit was too hard? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure this out, and because I know this, they're not going after Tom Wilson like that. But for mm-hmm. whatever reason, yeah. you know, right. Truba just seems to be like a, a punching bag. You know, for for some of these other teams, like, oh, we're gonna get our pound of flesh out of him. Now, what's his name? Tried that last night. It didn't exactly work. <laughs> uh, yeah, Dubé du- du- got his ass kicked. Yep. <laughs> and the first <laughs> time, someone quote, someone tweeted it just like that. I forgot if it was the post or one of the Ranger beat writers, and it, and it said, Dubé just leveled Kadri on a massive open hit. Dubé started with him, and then Truba kicked his ass too. And I was like, what a yep. tweet that was. And it was just like that. 
And, but, you yeah. know, it's, it's, and to answer your question, Carl, I believe it started when Cindy Crosby started getting hit a lot. And they, and they all started defending him at all. Because you're right. Because earlier I spoke about Scott Stevens and Chris Pronger throwing these massive hits. Nobody went after them. They all respected the defenseman for doing his damn job. And that, you know something? Not many players can lay an open ice hit like you saw last night. It is not easy to do when a guy like Kadri is flying down the ice with the skill and speed he has. And Trubel is able to lay him out. And to his credit, Kadri thought it was a clean hit. Sutter, their head coach, said both hits were clean and he had no issues with them at all. So I'm sure he was glad that his boys stood up for him. But both times, they did put them down a man. And the second time, and that guy sat in a box for 17 minutes because they blew the first call because the instigator on those plays was supposed to get two, five, and ten. And the first guy that, after Truba laid out, only got two and five. So at least they corrected themselves there a little bit. But I, I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam Rosen said it, too. He goes, when did it start that every time a huge head is laid out that we have to have a fight? And it's like when mm-hmm. Truba hit Kadri. If you looked at him, he knew somebody was coming. He knew somebody was coming. He was already in a fight stance. And then Dubé came mm-hmm. right to and got his ass kicked. So it, it, is, it is bad for the game when you want to see these great open ice hits and then they fight. But I really wish the Rangers would have scored two power play goals there and really yeah. shoved it up their ass. Mm-hmm. Right? That, that's how you make them pay. First you lay yep. the guy out and then you take the instigator and you put it up on the scoreboard. That's where they need to improve. You know, Carl, I, I have an opinion about that, too. And, and I think that – well, I think it's two reasons. One is I think you don't see hits like that as much anymore as you used to. And, you know, Daryl Sutter saying that those hits were clean is because he knows when he was in the league 30, 40 years ago, those hits were a lot more prevalent. And, you know, you just yeah. accepted it as – you know, if it's a clean hit, that's the way it is. Now, you know, as far as the, the stars of the game, uh, yeah, I mean, with Crosby and, you know, you you go way back. If you remember, the top line on uh, the Oilers dynasty was uh, Gretzky, Curry, and Dave Semenko. And you know why Dave Semenko was on that line. Um, to protect Gretzky. So, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, the hits on the, on, the, on the star players, you know, even with Tom Wilson being on the line with Ovechkin, although Ovechkin can handle himself, um, you know, you have guys that wouldn't necessarily be on that line with a star be on that line for a reason. And then I think the second uh, reason for, for this is, um, you know, that a lot of players now uh, don't hit as hard or, you know, might kind of lay back a little bit. Because they know if, if, if they make a mistake and it's a, a hit to the head or, uh, you know, you, you injured a player like that, there's a good chance you're going to get suspended. So I think a lot of players, you know, kind of don't want to take that chance of, of making a big hit on somebody and wind up sitting out for five games. So I, I think those are the two reasons. You just don't see those kind of hits as often as you used to anymore. And, uh, you know, I think Daryl Sutter – from the era he played in realizes that. So, uh, you know, those, those are the two reasons that I think uh, guys now, when they see those hits, they're so uncommon that their first instinct is to drop the gloves and go after the guy who threw the check. Yeah, I, I agree. What, what do you think, Steve? 
Yeah, I agree with all you guys on as far as historical perspective with the hitting and how things are being reacted to now and how we got to this point. There's really nothing else to add uh, uh, because the guys already kind of covered it. It's pretty much covering for your players or your star players. And sometimes you got to have – the hockey culture is kind of you have to defend it now, defend your teammates because of the act of itself. So, I mean, Calgary had to do what they had to do, but, hey, it was a legal hit. A strong legal hit, and and let's give credit to Truba for making the the, the legal hit. So, uh, I'm I'm all with that, man. Um, you got to do what you got to do as if you're the other team, but we got to defend, you got to defend yourself. So, yeah, it's a it's a two way yeah. kind of deal. There. I get it. I, mm-hmm. I I agree with that, but it, it's always going to be there. It's just more prevalent now. Like we're just seeing it a lot more now. Yeah. But that that's I, the way it's flowing. I think for me, it's a, it's just a different league now, and um, I, I don't necessarily think when, when you lay. I think these guys know the difference between a dirty hit and 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 a not dirty hit. I don't think. I mean, yeah, that it's a whole new generation that didn't grow up on on you know what what was a clean hit and a dirty hit in in, in our day. Um, so yeah, they might in their minds they they might be. Uh, I hate using the word groove, but they might be like programmed to just think it's dirty, but I, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. So I don't think they're necessarily retaliating because it was dirty. I think they're just retaliating because it was a hard hit and they want to make sure that they offset the momentum that that hard hit might've gotten like Truba lays somebody out in front of the home crowd like that. The, you know, the players are smacking their sticks. The fans are going nuts. Um, I think retaliating for that, that is not necessarily like thinking that a player was done dirty. I think it might be to try and offset any momentum, any shift that that might provide, and also to put Truba in his place. Um, again, not not because they thought it was dirty, just because like somebody needs to rein right. him in, because um, that's you know mm-hmm. that's how hockey is done, dirty or not. Um, you know mm-hmm. that's that's what fighting is for, for 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 you know for controlling the shift of power and for reining in players that think they can do whatever they want, even if it's legal. So I, I don't necessarily think it was a, uh, you know, it, it, it was retaliation for a dirty hit. I think it was just part of the game in that they need to do their part to let Truba know he's not going to have free range on, uh, uh, you know, on their team, even if it was legal. Uh-huh. That's, that's what I think. Right. But right. Scott, the, Scott, yep, the, only, right. the only thing with, but the only thing with that is, okay, the first hit, they retaliated. So the, op, the, op, the obvious sign by that is, okay, we're going to police this right off the bat. But that didn't stop Truba from hitting guys. Like, he did it again no, later it, in the game. It's not. So oh, it, wasn't like it's it, was, not yet. it wasn't like them fighting was a deterrent. It happened again. So mm-hmm. <laughs> were they just going to yeah, keep it, on it, doing this if Truba was cleanly laying dudes out? That's the part I'm trying to yes, I, I Yes. Yes, they, they were. Probably, they, were yes, trying, yes. they were trying to. They were trying to shift the momentum. However, they because they knew at the guard and Truba was shifting momentum every time he hit a guy. So Calgary was mm-hmm. trying to find some way to equal that, which they they weren't going to do. But let, let me jump to a different topic here. And, and Steve, check this one out. The lines last night, mm-hmm. pretty even. Does everyone everyone agree? Last night, Beatles line. Averaged around 16 and a half minutes, and Trocheck with Kreider and Goudreau averaged around 18 minutes, a little bit more because Kreider a little bit more PK and so forth. 
So the, the point I'm trying to bring up is over the last, I think it's been three or four games, there's no more get more ice time for the heater line. They've gotten to a point where they're almost equal with the second line. And I think that's another good adjustment by Gallant to, and his recognition of, hey, these kids are not just playing well, they're sort of driving the team right now. Would you guys agree yeah. with that? Uh, let me let me say on that real quick. I would like to see more uh, games if the lines were going to be balanced like that with the TOI uh, RP with the, the with the top nine mm-hmm. because I want to see kind of like what happens in a situation like when we fall or it seems like we're playing from behind even in a closed game like versus the Maple Leafs before the break. So I'm going to hold off on your mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to keep an eye out on what you're saying, but I want to see in a situation, okay, we got Carolina, Seattle. What if we're trailing in some of these games or it feels like we're being outplayed in some of these games? I want to see how the, if he if he's going to keep that same energy as far as Gallant or is he going to switch things up? So that, I'm, that's how I'm going to leave my comment on that. Mm-hmm. I I was not happy with Gallant up until, honestly, up until when you said that, because uh, I'm glad that you said that. Uh, That makes me happy because, yeah, I mean, we've been saying it all year. I mean, this kid line uh, is their best line. Um, I mean, you know, for me, this is uh, this is Zuccarello, Broussard, Pouliot, uh, 2.0. Um, you know, nobody wow. expected them to be better than uh, you know Nash, Kreider, Richards, whatever. But you know, that turned out to be our best line in the 2014 playoffs. Um, it's good, you know, right. and this is not new. This started in last year's playoffs, and they and they're, they haven't mm-hmm. missed a step. Um, you know, we we were worried because you know. We, these guys are all destined, all three of them are, are all destined to be top six eventually. But for now, for the personnel that we have, you have to keep them together because they are so dynamic together. They, they, they can, they, they, they get scoring chances every time they're out there, they can change a game. Um, so I'm glad. And, and remember we started the season with Kako on the, um, you know, right winging the first line and, you know, obviously things didn't work out and I'm glad that, that that line is reunited and getting the ice time they deserve. I'm still going to complain about the power play time. Um, you know, I, I know that they're at the mercy of, uh, of a clear, but uh, you know, if you get a clear with about 50 seconds gone by to a minute, you know, they should change and they're not changing until that clear with, 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 with 30 to 40 seconds left. And, and you could see what the kid line can do uh, on that power play, you know, whipping the puck around faster than the, than the defenders on the ice. But uh, you know, 30 seconds is, uh, you know, they've got a few goals, but 30 seconds is, is pretty much not enough time. Um, especially when you've got a, you, five guys like, that um i mean you know keandre miller's great don't forget uh, when, when we signed um true to that massive contract it was before adam fox obviously and he was brought on to be that uh power play quarterback obviously he lost the job to adam fox i don't really think he's he's even complaining about that it is what it is but you know we have he's an excellent you know quarterback for that second unit and I, I would love to see them get more time, but I'm glad that uh, they're, they're, you know, that that kid line is narrowing the distance, narrowing the gap in um, in ice time. Um, I, I'm not happy like, like putting Blaze in for um, uh, for Gutierrez. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand that. I, I I just don't. I mean, Gutierrez has hands down been our best fourth liner. Um, I just, you know, some of the personnel decisions I just don't get. I get it. They want to find a place for play, but I mean, he should be playing with Gutierrez. It shouldn't be one or the other. I mean, it's our fourth line. We, we, we noticed that. We said that as soon as, as soon as Reeves was gone and it was, um, what was it? It was Gutierrez, um, 
was it Gutierrez, Blay, and um, and Brzezinski? I mean, they they, they were flying all yeah, over the ice. They scored like three goals in a couple of weeks. Um, and, and now Brzezinski <clears> is gone from the team. I don't know if that was a financial thing or whatnot, but uh, he's gone. Gutierrez getting benched for Blay in the first game back after the All Star break. I, I just decisions like that. I just don't understand. And 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 the one thing that is keeping me from really starting to lose faith in Gallant is the fact that last year he had the personnel. You know, we, we've talked about it, um, you know, Cop and Vetrano obviously were, you know, huge pieces of this team that they're missing on, on that top six. He had the personnel and, the, and you know, he, 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 therefore, the personnel decisions that he made, the line decisions that he made, everything worked, everything was fine because he had the personnel. So I'll give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because he doesn't have the personnel that he needs to be a Stanley Cup contender. I think we're all in agreement right there. It's going to take some kind of trade. Um, you know, in the next couple of weeks, obviously the Timo Meyer thing is really starting to pick up steam. Um, you know, and if not Patrick, whatever it is, it is. But we, you know, think we're all in agreement that a top, that a first or second line right wing is extremely vital, especially if Kako is going to play with that, uh, that you know, with that kid line reunited, and that takes one of our, you know, big gun uh, potential right wings, uh, you know, back on the third line. Um, so. I, I, that's the one thing keeping me calm about Gallant right now is that he's doing what he can with the personnel that he has because he doesn't have the personnel that he needs, the personnel that he had last year. And we saw when he had the personnel last year, uh, you know, he was making all the right moves and firing all cylinders. But, I mean, this fourth line is just starting to aggravate me. I mean, you, you know, every time we get a fourth line, you know, what did they say? They said about the Islanders for years about the, the best fourth line in hockey, whatnot, when they had their uh, their two conference finals and whatnot. Okay, so we have finally had a fourth line that was absolutely fantastic, and and in addition to crushing people and and uh, you know getting momentum, could could put the puck in the net every now and then. And you know, one of those guys is gone, and one is getting benched for Sammy Blay. So I just I don't understand well, that. In, uh, yeah, go ahead. In, in defense, in defense of Gallant with that, Scott. Blaze was, you know, when he was with Hartford and he was playing 24 goals in five games, they weren't going to bring him up in the conditioning and then set him. It just wasn't going to happen. Now, whether he plays in the next game or they put Gutierrez back in, that's something else. But for last night's game, it was more of a question if, if Cooley was going to play than if Blaze was mm-hmm. going to play. That's in my opinion. I just couldn't see them raving about him how he played 20 minutes a game and he scored four goals in five games and he had his confidence and he had a different swagger to him and you bench him. It wasn't going to happen last night. Now, if they decide to bring Gutierrez in and, and sit him one, that's something else. I know Gallant said they want to give Cooley a really good look. I thought he looked even more confident with the puck yesterday. He played a little bit sharper, you know, his third game up now. So they're toying with that. Um, Someone's gonna have to go, guys. Because you got Kraftoff, you got Blaze, you got Gutierrez. They're not gonna keep all these guys. So you got to figure that a trade that comes up. I'm thinking Kraftoff is definitely the one that's gonna be included somewhere. But teams may want Gutierrez because at least they know he has more scoring potential. I don't think they're gonna be able to move Blaze with, with any hope because he hasn't scored for the Rangers in what 60 games now or something, 50 games, whatever yeah. it may be. But, uh, you, you know, the, the fourth line's important, and he's, he just keeps mixing it up until 
he can find the line that he's comfortable with. It, it is annoying, but it, like you said, it, it's the hand he's dealt with the players that he has. No one has really stood out. The lines have looked good, but you got to remember something. Whoever he puts out there, guys, the fourth line is only averaging six minutes a game. So to get any sort of momentum and confidence is a long shot, unless you're Cooley, who's just happy to be playing in the NHL right now. And maybe decisions because he wasn't doing nothing with Vegas anyway. And I don't think he's played bad for the Rangers for the most part since he's been, uh, since he was picked up on waivers a couple of weeks ago. But it, it's hard to get anything going when you're not seeing that much ice time. And now if the Rangers have a more established top nine, top three lines, they're not going. They're only going to see six, seven minutes a game, if if they're lucky. And right now, like Steve said, they're winning a lot of games, so he's able to roll with four lines. But if you go back to a third period tied or down a goal, fourth line's lucky if they see a shift in a third period. So it, it is what it is, and we just got to see what happens at the trade deadline, which is probably <clears> where we should start going with a few minutes left, don't you think, Steve? Because there's been a lot of trade talk, no? Oh man, yeah, we could go with that. Yeah, we could, yeah. Uh, we could um, get to your final thoughts I, and how you want to direct it, man. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot to discuss, and it's hard to get in in one it, hour, it, man. So yeah. Oh, I, I hear you. There's just there's just too too much. I I put that tweet up yesterday about the kids line. You know what I had said last week. If the Rangers were going to make a trade for anybody with off our route yeah. that is a bona fide caliber hockey player you might lose Kako or Lafreniere. But the downside to that is look how good they're playing now. Imagine how much better they're going to be next year, in fact. So really quick on my view, guys, if you don't think that you're going to win the Stanley Cup this year, man, you don't touch the kid line. You don't touch it. If we were one player away from the Stanley Cup, then maybe you make a move. What do you guys think about that, Carl? We we talked about that last week about how to um, approach this situation. Um, I we kind of remember we had those the sort of A, B, and C as to where we thought the Rangers were mm-hmm. um, on the on the scale yeah. of of title or just kind of getting to the second round of the playoffs and let's just say losing in the sixth game or something like that. You know, there's there's right. you know if if I, I still don't see the Rangers on that. Higher end, I feel mm-hmm. like there's like mm, I feel like there's two teams that are there, and then there's like this sort of grouping of about maybe seven or eight teams that exist right now in the league that are just kind of, and that's kind of a, a sad commentary on the playoff format because I think two of the three, two, the two teams that I think are are championship contenders happen to play in the same bracket of the of, of the uh, of the format in the uh, in the Atlantic. So that one of them is going to get knocked out before the conference final, just a matter of who it's going to be. And so, right. can the Rangers? Uh, I guess to, I guess we should probably look at it like this: with the team that the, that the Rangers have right now, can they get to the conference final with this team? That's, that's probably a better way of looking at it than even looking ahead to like winning the conference final or to getting to the cup and winning the cup. Can can the team as currently constructed reached the conference finals. Now that answer, the answer to that question might be easier than can the Rangers win the cup? Actually, uh, 
boy, it's risky. It's risky, but maybe not from the standpoint that I, it's going to be very hard monetarily. I'm doing this over the weekend as the All Star Game was going on. Monetarily, it's going to be very hard to keep all of these guys for another season because the one player that I'm looking at that I think probably is going to either have to be is probably going to have to be traded is Lindgren because I think Miller has established himself to a point where whatever his contract is going to be, it's going to be really, really high, whether it's from the Rangers or somebody else, and you're not paying forward defense in big money. There's just no way in the world that's going to happen. So you're almost looking at sort of like a last stand with the team that you have right now. Um, so you know what? I thought after, after thinking about it last week and not reconsidering, you know what? You might as well just push for it and just see what happens. Uh, what do you think, Glenn? I see this team as currently constructed having maybe a three-year window, and I'm talking about uh, with guys like Kreider and Panarin and Zibanejad, uh being the, the uh, focal points of the team. Uh, so I don't want to move, as I said last week, I don't want to move any of the kids because the ta- if this team is going to have a, a long run, at this, those guys are going to be stepping up into the, the the foremost roles on the team as these other guys kind of regress and 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 move on. Um, so I don't really want to uh, move any of the kids. Um, if they want to go out and get a Patrick Kane and they can get him for uh, you know crafts off even Gautier because you figure Osman will be here. Um, uh, a couple of picks, uh, uh, another prospect, then I would say, yeah, let's go for it. Because, again, like, like Carl said, it's going to be hard to keep all of these guys together. And the one guy that you do look at is Lindgren, because if you don't want to, you don't want to lose any of the kids, you don't want to lose Ke'Andre Miller, um, you know, and you look at who, who they might not be able to sign, you know, Lindgren kind of uh, pops out as the most likely one. Uh, the other thing that I think this team has to look at right now is they got to make this decision, I feel, soon because they're carrying extra guys, which is keeping them from being able to accrue uh, enough uh, salary for the deadline. So you're looking at guys like, uh, you know, Kraftsoff being around, Gautier being around. Um, you know, these guys are taking up money that they might need at the trade deadline. So I think they have to make that decision that we're talking about sooner rather than later if they're going to go for it. Um, again, like I said, I think this team as currently constructed has a three-year window. Uh, I don't want to move any of the kids, but again, if they can get somebody like Kane or someone else to fill that top, uh, top line right wing, uh, then I would definitely say go for it. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of roll the dice and see what happens because they're going to have a hard time keeping this team together between the cap not going up much next year. It will the year after, but then they're going to have to, you know, look at uh, uh, Lafreniere. Um, they got to look at Heedle. You know, there's a lot of guys that they want to keep, and uh, money's going to be real tight. So um, I, don't, I don't want to mortgage the future to go for it, but if they can get somebody for, you know, a, a – a price that we would deem reasonable, then yeah, I think they should go for it. Go for it now. Uh, what do you think, there, Scott? 
Yep, I agree with everything Glenn said uh, on the window, three years. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we saw last year. I mean, this team, to me, is a mirror image of last year. Uh, 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 you know, they, they were they were flirting with that three seed, uh, They were you know, they, before the trading deadline, and all of a sudden became a Stanley Cup contender, and we knew how, you know, how, how close they got. And those trading deadline acquisitions were definitely the difference. Um, you asked, uh, are we a Stanley Cup contender now? No, I, I honestly don't believe that. We're on pace to play out. You know, a lot can happen in the next 30 games as far as playoff positioning. If we play the Devils in the first round, we're going to lose that in five. Um, you know, it sucks to say out loud. They are just they're they're faster. They're they're five on five. I mean, they score at will. Um, and I think yes, I know the playoffs is a little different, a uh, little different scenario. And I think we can bang them around. We're definitely uh, harder hitters. But I, I see them just skating circles around us right now without getting that uh, that top notch right winger. Um, so yeah, uh, if it's a rental, it's a rental. So be it. Um, that being said, you know, as long, and again, like, uh, also what Glenn said, I don't want to mortgage the future. I, certainly none of the three of the kids are, are on the table as far as I'm concerned. You know, I know up until like last year we were talking about, uh, you know, Taco and Lafreniere are off limits, but maybe Heedle. But no, I mean, Heedle's the best one out of the three. So, uh, no, don't want to, uh, I don't want to get rid of any of the core. Um, Drury was able to make it happen last year, and, and, and it, it almost worked without, you know, giving away, um, you know, any of the future. Um, I'm, like, I, I've said it before, I'm fine with any, uh, any prospect not named Brandon Ottman being involved in that. Uh, draft picks, whatever, as long as, you know, we don't let say they're away our draft picks. Um, I don't think Drury would make that mistake. Um, and I think between the two, uh, between the two of Timo Meyer and, and, and Patrick Kane, um, yes, in, in uh, technically speaking, Timo Meyer would be the better choice. He's 26. He's got, you know, a lot more future to offer, but you know, we're not going to resign him. He's, he's apparently what, what the, the qualifying offer is going to be 10 million. We, we can't afford that. Um, which means, mm-hmm. which means he would be a legit straight rental. Okay, so be it. Mm-hmm. But we have a legit chance to re-sign Patrick Kane because he's uh, he's 34. He's obviously you know he's made his money. I mean, yeah, I don't know what's going through his head. He might be looking to go. Some, maybe somebody might give him eight nine million dollars. But realistically speaking, I gotta believe that you know he's won three Stanley Cups. He's had his glory. I gotta believe that at this point, you know, in his last three four years, three four five years, uh, maybe winning another title is top priority and 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 that means um you know definitely maybe like half the contract and i think we can re-sign him for the next two or three years which is you know he'll probably play for five but he's got two to three of being a legit force i think i mean you know last year he had 92 points on a terrible team this year i think he's got 34 in 45 and they are as bad as they were last year, they are infinitely worse than they were last year. And he's still got 34 points, um, you know, which would put him, what, like fourth on our team? <laughs> if he was on the Rangers. So, and, you know, that, and that's how yeah. Chicago is just atrocious. So I think he would probably make more sense because I think it'll cost us less to trade him because of the age. And I think we could actually re-sign him. Uh, we have a chance at actually re-signing him for, for two to three years. He may want to – I mean, you know, here's a guy who obviously 
loves, uh, you know, loves the spotlight and whatnot. So, you know, why not finish her career on Broadway? Um, you know, we, we are in a Stanley Cup contending window. And I think uh, maybe if, I, if I'm him anyway, again, I have no idea what's going through his head. If I'm him, you know, maybe I sign for five, five and a half. Uh, for three years to finish my career here with a legit chance to win a Stanley Cup, you know, on New York City, Manhattan, as opposed to, you know, maybe I can go, uh, I could probably go to the Devils for $8 million. I mean, yeah, there's other teams that are also contenders with more money to spend. But again, you know, how big is the New York City, you know, New York Rangers thing to him? And I think I'm just, maybe I'm just, this is probably me much more hoping more than thinking, but I think, <laughs> you know, if he wants to come here, um, I don't know if the whole Panarin re- reuniting thing means anything because that was 14 years ago. I mean, I doubt that they've been in constant contact since then. So people like to say, oh, yeah, they're going to reunite with Panarin. I mean, that was a, that was a century ago. It's, you know, I don't think that's, uh, that's really part of the <laughs> enticement. But uh, I think he makes more sense because we could actually re-sign him for cheaper. And I think we, we that, that trade itself will cost us less. But the point is we need a top right wing or we are going out in the first round, especially if it's the Devils. We could probably beat a Washington. I think we could beat a Pittsburgh. The Devils are going to blow through us unless we uh, unless we, we, we get a big piece on that right wing. That's my opinion. All right. So, Steve, yeah, I know we've been talking about this, so I'm going to throw something at you because this one comes close to your heart. Okay, Andre Miller is a restricted free agent after this season, which means the Rangers have total control over him. Lindgren has another year left at $3 million. Think the Rangers offer him a little bridge deal and hold on to Lindgren and try to go for it? Yeah. <clears throat> I think that's the route they may play. Uh, I know we're running out of time, but maybe that's something we could tackle uh, maybe to next Tuesday because uh, sure. the Rangers are, are going to be on the West Coast and they'll be in between that Carolina and I think Vancouver game or somebody out there in the West, so Western Canada for the night game. So we'll, we'll get talk about that next week. So if you want to – I'll pass it back to you if you want to take us to final thoughts and we can wrap it up. Yeah, I'm just going to – we're just going to wrap it up quick. Um, call, Glenn Scott, and you get really quick on your final thoughts as we run around here. I didn't really have much to, to, to add. The one thing, I guess, just sort of just looking around the league, I'm actually – very surprised at how Carolina from last season, when we last saw them, have rebounded this season to be pretty much just as good as they were last year. I was actually very surprised by that, and so that's just, you know just sort of an observation that I had uh, throughout the league. And then right. probably the last thing too is just on the opposite side of the, and I'm going to see them tomorrow night actually in person. Uh, the Dallas Stars have mm-hmm. taken what they did last year, and they should have won that series, but just came up just a little bit short in that series against Calgary and have taken that and have done so much better this season than anyone could have could have even thought about. And I'm, I haven't seen what their odds are for, for getting out of the uh, getting out of the West, but I'm very curious. I'm going to see them for, I think, the second or third time now in person. But that's been about three months since I've seen them live. But I'm curious to see how, how they look in person tomorrow night. Nice. Well, enjoy the game, brother. Uh, Glenn, yes, what you got for us really fast, guys? We've got to wrap it up. Yeah, you know, I, I would say a couple of weeks ago I thought that the uh, the uh, Metropolitan Division was kind of uh, starting to separate. Uh, but with the Islanders getting Mo Horvath, who I think is going to help them with their scoring, uh, Buffalo is somehow hanging in there. Uh, Pittsburgh is kind of faltering a little bit. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's going to be really interesting as we go through these last 30 games to see how this plays out because uh, – 
you know, we kind of figured that Washington, you know, had had uh, uh, kind of established themselves and uh, that Pittsburgh somehow with this group was going to hang in there. It would be very interesting to see what happens if Pittsburgh doesn't make the playoffs this year, uh, what they do with their uh, roster. I don't know the contract situations with Crosby. I don't think he's retiring, but uh, Malkin and Latang, um, you know, if they miss the playoffs, this might be the last go-round for, for this group because uh, I know they brought them all, all back right. together to, to give them one more shot. Uh, so uh, I think it's going to be interesting as we go down the stretch to see how uh, those four teams kind of uh, uh, scramble around for probably the last spots. And actually Florida's getting back into it too. So uh, I think that race mm-hmm. for the right. two wild spots is going to be yeah. uh, real tight going down the uh, uh, going down the rest of the season and, and a lot of fun to watch and figure out what the ramifications are going to be between who makes it and who doesn't. Oh, yeah, yeah. Scott, you got to go quick, my brother. Yep, my final thoughts. God bless the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> That's it. I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles and their awful fans cannot, cannot win. Evil cannot prevail on Sunday night. God bless Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> That's it. That is my thought. Empire State Building said they're going to light it up again. Yeah, I want to see that. That's right. I want to see the Empire State Building in red on Sunday Whoa. night. <laughs> yeah, oh, it was all my. I heard. I heard about last week's rant. Sorry, I missed it. I was asleep. No. Uh, as you might have imagined, I probably would have had a thing or two to say about that as well. <laughs> <laughs> and my man Steve, what you got going, brother? Yeah, yeah. I'll be real quick. Uh, I think Glenn alluded to it. Uh, Florida smoked lightning the other night, seven to one. I'm going to keep an eye out on them and see how they're going to do. But uh, I want to really tackle what you said uh, about the line balance because I didn't. We didn't get to talk about it tonight. But I really want to see a return on investment. God damn it! I really want to see Capo Caco <laughs> and Alexei Lafreniere get, get to the maximum potential because you're watching. Jack Hughes at the rock, putting up 35 goals through, at this point in the season, and Capocacco stuck at nine in the same draft. Like, we didn't really get mm-hmm. to touch that. And then the, the last point where Carl was kind of alluding to the Dallas Stars, I was going to mention that because J.B. Ben paid, played his thousandth game as a star. You saw John Klingberg, uh, the defenseman who's played there for eight years, return there as an Anaheim Doug. That was cool to see. And you know what? And RP, we may have to bring this up next week. Uh, we were kind of making fun of the Arizona Coyotes' uh, home ice to, to play in that Arizona State this season at the uh, Mullet Arena. But uh, they've actually had a winning record. And, and then there's a lot of different per, uh, players who have an opinion that they favor the college environment because of, uh, you know, they're young, they're used to the college rink ice because, you know, they're young in age. And it's played to the Arizona Coyotes' uh, advantage. And maybe it's something I could probably pick up more and get you guys' opinions on as far as how the players have looked at it. Whether they're telling the truth or not is one thing, but that's that's my thoughts. Uh, I, I hear you. Um, you know, my final thought is going to be something totally off hockey. I just want to reach out condolences to the family of the, the NYPD officer that was shot and mm-hmm. unfortunately killed. Um, mm-hmm. We're thinking about him and his family and his tough time and all. And, uh, you know, sometimes hockey takes a back seat, and, and that's one of them. So I just wanted to end it with that because I thought it was important to mention. And uh, another great show, guys. And I look forward to talking to you next Tuesday. Yes, next Tuesday, 8 p.m. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it?
blue, 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 bl